0: We haven't even decided who's going to bring us in
1: Uh, i'll i'll thumb wrestle you
0: you you brought us in last time and then i stepped all over you
1: no you were just coaching me
0: one two your turn three your turn well i just uh... hi talking point live coming to you live from the community education channel here on campus at dixie state university it's wednesday a little kind of a rainy wednesday out there
1: you know i'm so glad we have a little rain
0: we need a lot of rain. Yes, this w- has been. I would
1: be gladder if we had more rain. Gladder. You know what I'm saying.
0: You're talking like a millennial these days. <laughs> wow. What's on your mind today?
1: Well, tons, of course. Yeah. Um, and I thought we could talk a little bit about media bias and a little bit about not feeling helpless.
0: Okay, because yep. I kind of left us off on that you last.
1: Are, I kept saying last show. time, well, so what do we do? What do we do? And now you've come up with at least one thing to consider. There's a
0: couple ideas here going on. Uh, and I've posted the, uh, the video to that we're going to be watching during the show uh, to our Facebook page as well. And if you uh, like always, if you want to join the conversation, you're welcome to join us on our Facebook page. Uh, the address there is facebook.com slash talkingpointlive. And I'm monitoring the feed there to see what's going on. Uh, and welcome to those of you who are watching on the CEC channel and on the, the YouTube channel as well. Glad to have you with us. I'm glad too. Um, A couple things though I wanted to, one thing in particular when it comes to this concept of uh, media and media control, uh, the company Unilever, you might not know them uh, in terms or at least by name and I I had them up here at one point, um, they are um, probably the biggest competitors Procter & Gamble. Unilever owns a number of cosmetic companies uh, self um, Uh, Hygiene products those kinds of things. They're an international company Um, their their social media budget for advertising alone is two and a half billion dollars and On Monday they came forward saying to Facebook and to Twitter and to I think it was Instagram as well That if you don't clean up the swamp that has become social media that they're going to pull their advertising
1: Now what right do they have to clean it up? I mean isn't that censorship?
0: Well, that's a good question mm-hmm. there. Um, you know, it begs it the very idea that we are kind of resisting in terms of having some kind of control, some type of uh, uh, an entity that has the ability to go through and say, you can't say that, we need to say this, you know, what's going to go on. Facebook has promised from time to time to go through and run an algorithm that has the ability to take a look at abusive language and remove it there. so. It's well, maybe syntactically have, it's possible.
1: Right, and maybe they have the right to do so because they're not a it's governmental platform, agency; it's, right? it's a company, and, and
0: it should be self-regulating. Right. A lot of people are starting to feel this way. Well, Unilever gets the attention of many deep pockets in terms of they're saying we're not going to we're not going to keep putting our product, putting our advertising out in a form that is that continues to disgust our users. Uh, and that's caught the attention of Facebook. Now, Facebook hasn't, I haven't seen a response, a formal response from Zuckerberg yet, or from the other uh, chief hokey dokies from Twitter or uh, Instagram. But it, uh, it sure rocked the news world in terms of the, the amount of money that they spend on social media. Two and a half billion dollars is nothing to um, take lightly in terms of having that withdrawn from that market.
1: Well, I, what, what intrigues me about it, is this, this pressure, this pushback is coming from a commercial entity the side of our country as an institution rather than the government so I I like the source of this pushback. Well
0: I do too and I like the idea that uh, instead of turning um, and I hate to use control instead of turning the stewardship over content to a government entity Mm -hmm. they're saying no Facebook you need to take responsibility for this if you want us to continue to advertise mm-hmm. with you.
1: I like this. I I'm, I'm going to be eager to see where this goes. Was
0: interesting, right? Yeah. It's uh, yeah. talking with, uh, you know, with the almighty buck, uh-huh. um, and we, as uh, as consumers, talk with our almighty dollars in terms of where we're shopping or what we might be clicking through here to mm-hmm. see um, where that money goes. So,
1: um, and then also hearkening uh, back to last week when we were talking about what do we do, what do we do, and uh, you. Found a really cool video that we wanted to share. Okay,
0: so you want to go there already? Yeah, ready. I all think right. that
1: would be great. And then after, we'll, maybe we'll look at some more refinements on the media bias okay. that we introduced previously.
0: So, um, I, the, the video was interesting. When I first started watching it, it, it got into it, kind of set me up in a way in terms of uh, having some kind of a response back to those who uh, are responsible for us as constituents to our our, our representatives. Uh, in both the the House and the Senate. And and then the the video goes a little bit different way to go through and say, well, if you really want to have a voice, there's gotta be something behind that. You can't lose the energy that's going on with that. So instead of me spoiling it for you, let's go ahead and roll a video and then we'll come back and talk about it.
2: Did you ever see this video of a guy yelling at his congressman? You
0: have been the single greatest threat to my family in the entire world. You are the reason I stay up at night.
2: On liberal social media, that guy's rant went very
0: viral. I'm not done with you
2: yet. And a lot of other moments like it have, too. There's this one of a senator getting yelled at in Arkansas.
1: Wow, what kind of insurance do you have
2: And there's this one from Idaho where a congressman gets yelled at after he says this.
1: Nobody
0: dies because they don't have access to health (laughs) care.
2: Videos like these get passed around because it feels really good to watch your political opponents get destroyed or shut down, eviscerated, whatever. But yelling a congressman is more than just cathartic. It's also part of a bigger plan to fight Donald Trump that might actually work. Back to this yelling guy for a second. That was way back in May in New Jersey at a public event for this guy, who at the time was playing a major role in Trump's drive to repeal Obamacare. More than 30 people yelled at him that night for more than four hours. And a lot of them had heard about the event in the same way.
1: One of the indivisible groups.
2: The indivisible group. Local political action groups. So Indivisible. Indivisible.
3: What is Indivisible?
2: Yeah. What is Indivisible?
1: Hi. I'm Leah Greenberg. I'm the co-executive director of Indivisible Project.
3: And I'm Ezra Levin. I'm co-executive director of the Indivisible Project. We're married, too. (laughs) Cool. Anyway,
2: to understand the story of how those guys started this movement, You, you have to remember what it was like for liberals back in December, right after Trump won the election back before all the town halls, before the Women's March, before hashtag resistance, before even the inauguration, right after the election, when most liberals were just shocked or sad or mad and wanted to do something. But no one had a plan. That was when Leah and Ezra wrote this.
3: What is indivisible, this is indivisible.
2: Indivisible was a Google Doc. It was a guide for how to fight Trump's agenda, written by former congressional staffers, them, who knew from experience how you pressure members of Congress.
3: The single best thing you can do is show up at a public event or district office and have cameras with you, record it, so that that can be broadcast far and wide, and people can see exactly what's going on.
2: And the guide was exactly what liberals everywhere were looking for. It went viral instantly, and it made Ezra a sort of famous.
3: There have been over 600,000 page views. There have been 100. 100- 30,000 people have downloaded the guide
2: today indivisible has chapters not just in every state but every congressional district there are thousands of groups and they all operate independently but all of them follow this basic theory laid out in the guide that while congress as an institution is really unpopular individual members of congress in their own districts don't have that problem they're usually pretty popular but make them feel like that could change And they get skittish.
1: Success isn't necessarily turning a really conservative member of Congress into a progressive member of Congress. But you can have a really conservative member who, in private meetings, suddenly they're saying, like, hey, what's the rush? Or, you know, I don't know if we need to do all of this right now. It's kind
2: of psychological. But the reason that Leah and Ezra know this tactic can work is that they didn't make it up they got it from their own experiences.
1: We worked on the Hill during the early years of the Obama administration and seen during that time a model for local congressional advocacy that was really successful, and we knew it was successful because it was used against us by the Tea Party.
3: Back then, Ezra was working for a Democratic congressman in Texas. I think he was one of the first town hall events in 2009 were just waves of Tea Party protests against the Affordable Care Act. You could just feel the energy out there. People outside with his name on a tombstone, it was clear that that was changing what was politically possible. And it was because these folks were standing up and pressuring the members of Congress. I saw that very clearly.
2: This moment is where Indivisible's plan starts. Because what happened next? Democrats lost the majority. They never got a climate bill. There was no DREAM Act. This was how Obama's legislative agenda died and how the Tea Party won. Right? Yeah.
4: But, you know, so what? If, you know, 10 years from now, if Obamacare is still standing, you will say that the Tea Party lost.
2: Okay, that is Eitan Hirsch, political scientist. He says that there's actually a different lesson that Indivisible should be taking from the Tea Party. I'm sorry, this is about to get nerdy.
4: I study US elections and civic engagement.
2: And more specifically, Eitan studies a particular phenomenon that as emotion and entertainment have both become a bigger part of politics, more and more of us are doing things that feel like politics, but are actually something different.
4: When people want to be politically engaged but they often are doing this other thing which is some emotional catharsis but it's not really geared toward power or
2: change that other thing is called political hobbyism and we're all guilty of it sometimes it's like obsessively following the news or sharing political videos all that stuff is hobbyism because it's more about scratching an itch than making change. But, and here's where it gets tricky. Not all activism is created equal. And sometimes the difference between doing politics and hobbyism isn't as obvious. And this is where the Tea Party comes in because according to Eitan, one big way to know that difference is this question. Are you working towards a specific policy goal beyond just beating an opponent? The Tea Party had a policy goal or they said they did.
4: The Tea Party consistently focused on the repealing of
3: Obamacare.
2: But they failed. That vote coming up short, Senator
3: John McCain. I don't know what else to say other than Obamacare is the law of the land. It's gonna remain the law of the land.
2: And Aitan says that this was actually inevitable because even though the Tea Party was against Obamacare, they weren't really for anything.
4: The Tea Party was never a very focused on
2: policy. They didn't really care. So the lesson of the Tea Party is that being against something or someone can be a great motivator, but it rarely leads to real power. And in that sense, it's not a model that Indivisible or any activist group should want to copy, because the danger in political hobbyism is that when it no longer feels emotionally rewarding, we stop doing it. And that has happened to liberals before.
4: There are a lot of reasons why the Democrats lost power in 2010. Maybe part of it was the Tea Party, but a big part of it is that people who were really excited about Obama, who came out to vote for him in 2008, didn't show up.
2: In other words, when we watch all these videos from town halls, whether it's in 2017 or 2009, there's an important thing that we're missing. Who's not there to fight back? Who stayed home? because the election was over, they won, and the work was done. So that's the question for Indivisible. Will it last? Do they have a policy goal?
4: With a group like Indivisible, is it a long-term pressure group within a party to try to move a party in a certain direction? If that's true, what direction is it? Is it to make the party care about single-payer healthcare and guaranteed income? Is the goal to just beat Trump?
2: Right now, they don't have a clear platform. And they say that it's because Indivisible was built around opposition,
3: the power to say no. We can't set the agenda, which is not possible. We don't have the House, the Senate or the President say, it's a hard truth, but we have to accept it. So actually, with the way constituent power on the progressive side works right now is the power to respond.
2: But since that conversation, Indivisible has announced that they are working on a platform, which could mean that they know it'll be tough to keep the movement going without one. So far, Indivisible has accomplished a lot of what they set out to do. They've activated hundreds of thousands of people across the United States. And maybe they can stop Donald Trump's agenda. Maybe they'll even play a part in stopping Trump. But then what?
0: So there's a lot to digest there, kind of a firehose approach to some concepts that they got going on. Before we do that, though, mm-hmm. I want to go through and qualify. Uh, first off, who is Quartz? Who are these individuals who produce this? Quartz is a it's a it's a, it's a website considered to be a publication, and it's uh, owned by uh, the Atlantic Media Group, uh, who also does the Atlantic okay. Monthly, okay. as well as the National Journal. So. Um, It's a credible source that way, uh, and I want to make sure that we vetted that before then we started to go into and digest the content. The production of the clip is pretty slick. It
1: is. It's well put together. It's well put together
0: Uh uh, and um, leads us down a a logical line of uh, reasoning in terms of, why this has fallen apart in that respect.
1: Well I, I found, uh, I responded, resonated strongly to the video and I'm really excited to share it with my Voice and Civility in Public Discourse students because what I have discovered with them is they are really struggling when it comes to exercising their voice uh, with what they want to advocate for. and this was that one of the main the point. points made by the video yeah. is what are we for as opposed to what are we just against
0: that was the uh, downfall of occupy wall street mm-hmm. they didn't have a, a core a set of, uh, of policy issues intentionally they, by intentionally. design right, right. they, they right. nor did they have a clear leadership of that mm-hmm. um so i think the critique here is very valid in terms of uh, in terms of this movement utah has a chapter and i've put a link to the utah chapter of uh, uh, indivisible up there, and as I look at their homepage, um, it's it's the last the latest post is back in December uh, December second of last year, rally against Trump's monumental mistake. Uh, before that is protest, uh, Betsy DeVos coming to Salt Lake City, and then protect patients uh, uh, rally and art display. It's, uh, so it's scattered as well. It's it's this it's this idea of political hobbyism. It Doesn't come
1: across as real robust.
0: Something thing. or right, right or something focused in terms of what kind of change do we want to go through and see? If you if you scroll down on the Facebook page and read the videos there, you know there's very polarized comments they get into. Well, this is just uh, liberal propaganda. On this Utah
1: individual. No, on no. the
0: on the the sorry on the Facebook page It actually hosts the video itself, there. Uh, it's interesting to go through and see how even this, which is, this is very middle of the road reporting in terms of uh, the the clip, the video, and how it's brought it together.
1: What do you mean by middle of the road? I'm not
0: finding bias within the reporting here because it looks equally, it goes to the Tea Party movement and takes a look at really the rhetorical efficacy, the the strength of the Tea Party. Like it, love it, or hate it, it's, it was still effective, okay? But as soon as they ran out of steam, Everybody went, who's the Tea Party? We, we don't understand where that's going. And likewise, to go over to the other side in, in terms of What the Democrats are doing. What's interesting is when the Democrats go through and protest, everybody kind of, you know, poo-poos that and says, Oh, shut up and just, you know, go back to your business. But when the extreme right wing protests, there seems to be a different response to that.
1: And what kind of response are you thinking? Well,
0: they seem to be taken a little bit more seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, the Democrats are called snowflakes and the right wingers are called tea partiers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, who's who's the one you'd rather run into at a dark alley at night?
1: A snowflake. Right,
0: me too, right? Uh, and, and with all due respect to Democrats, I don't think you're all snowflakes, nor do I think if you're a Republican that you are a Tea Party brute in that respect. So you're saying, well, so your students are struggling with this idea of advocacy for a specific issue. Is the trouble the fact that there are so many issues to advocate for?
1: In the case of our students here at the university, the main problem is lack of information, period. They, we, lack of
0: being well informed. The information is right. there, it's lack of being well informed.
1: Yes, and they, they they consistently voice that to me as their single most common challenge related to expressing their voices is not knowing what they really care about or um, enough information about that fact or matter in order to be able to make a case for it. So what i've determined that the role of the course and this and this applies to any american citizen because this course is set up to teach american citizens to help us as citizens be well informed and express our voice to our elected representatives or to just so, get
0: beyond political hobbyism
1: exactly and so the main thrust what what i feel is the most important is number 1 what is it how do i get informed about the what and then how do i go how do i go about expressing myself effectively
0: well what what <laughs> What are the issues facing students at this point? Well,
1: that's the thing. That's what can they advocate for? One thing, and we just did a little straw poll in class last week. I said, um, you know, what matters to you? And I asked them. I said, you know, when I do these straw polls, sometimes my students don't even know the name of the vice president. They most of them don't know the name of their elected senators or Congress people. So they are woefully informed not only on how their government works and who's running their government, but also these issues. And, of course, a lot of them are uh, sensitive to student debt at this moment.
0: Okay, all right.
1: Because it hits them right where it, where it counts. Well,
0: their loan, their loan payments haven't started yet.
1: Right, but they... <laughs> but
0: it will hit them yes, at some point. It's
1: pretty salient to a lot of them. Right. For example, but a lot of these other important issues are not as salient.
0: But there's, but there's <laughs> no organization or very little organization, very little outcry that we're seeing in terms of what can happen. The, the the whole student debt or student loan debt issue really is coming from their parents who are struggling now with their loan payments. It's not really coming from our own student base in that respect.
1: You mean the the expressed concern? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, okay, so back to back to where we want to go. So, one of the things about being well-informed is where are you getting your, your information? And that kind of brings us around. Do you want to go to the revised updated Otero chart? Oh, you're really
0: pushing that Otero chart. I here, am, aren't you? I'm
1: enamored. I love the graphics and I love the, the overall Our producer thinks mm-hmm. the
0: graphics are too busy.
1: Exactly, and oh, why? Oh, so they went
0: to it yeah. already with that. They did,
1: they, they did. <sighs> Sweet move. Oh, so okay. Did Jen pay you guys to go through? <laughs> it? Okay, look at this graphic for a minute. And Marcus was saying, justifiably, this is very busy. There is a lot of information on this graphic. It is not simple and accessible to read. I mean, he didn't go into all this length, but that was his basic objection. And Eric and I both, I think, had a similar reaction. It's precisely this is a chart, an updated version of Vanessa Otero's media bias chart she came out with a couple of years ago. This is the current version 3.1. And if you look at it for just a second, you will see there are a lot of news sources listed on here. On the left-hand column, the vertical column to the left, she's got newer and more nuanced categories, levels of quality of media. So, well, let, let's yeah. for,
0: for the sake of our audience, okay. let's go through and, and maybe identify okay. the two axes first off. Okay. So the, the vertical axis is the overall quality of the reporting that's going on there. Right. And she's changed some terms. She has. Okay, in this, and I appreciate that. So yeah. from being inaccurate and fabricated to having original fact reporting going on, so we, we see uh, that uh, dichotomy that's happening with her. So there's
1: eight categories yeah. along that vertical and axis. And at the bottom we have
0: then what's, what's left-leaning, what's right-leaning in that. And what happens to show up in the middle? In and she
1: said, you know, you, you, it's funny that you mentioned left and right, where when I'm reading it, I see the words liberal and conservative.
0: Well, I, I said that because liberal is on the left side and conservatives on the right side. All right? <laughs> on uh, the I'm right, just saying
1: Like correct no, right no, side? No, on the right side I mean, as opposed you, to the left sounded side. sounded like you meant the correct side. No,
0: I did not mean okay, that.
1: You meant the right well, there
0: side. There is no right or wrong.
1: All
0: right. Unless you're so what do the boxes mean? We have the green okay. box, the yellow box. The, these are areas to right. avoid, right?
1: So down at the bottom, there. stretching across the bottom, a big horizontal outlined box in red. And that means the the news sources that are largely contained in there, um, on the right side, InfoWars, Blaze, Breitbart, um, even Fox Daily News is at the very edge of that box. There's that
0: sliding mm-hmm. rule that comes that, down into that.
1: Right. That red rectangle says, nonsense, damaging to public discourse. So if that's your, your media diet, you're feeding off of nonsense that is damaging to public discourse.
0: Okay. The it's orange? kind of
1: like having a sugar diet for all of your oh, nutritional. Oh, it's sugar.
0: That's like, that's total. It's
1: hallucinogenic drugs. It's
0: red meat is what it is.
1: No, I think it's more, I think you, it's more like you hallucinogenic. You think it's LSD or something I think it's, like that? Yes, I think you're hallucinating. People
0: don't even know what LSD is anymore. Okay, then
1: on. the box above that would be uh. the orange box, which goes all the way up from starting with Fox News and the Daily Mail and includes the Daily Cause on the left, New Republic.
0: Uh, I see CNN oh. kind of straddles the orange.
1: CNN, right. And the
0: yellow uh, rectangle, yellow being fair, but it's uh, still some level of interpretation of what the news is doing. Right. I wish I knew what was behind the CNN because look, it looks like there might be something else. Oh, I
1: there. think it's just the border just they border? use. Okay. But so the orange we, uh, is unfair representations of the news. So let's, unfair. Let's
0: skip up to the green here. Uh, you want to skip it, yellow? Well, I well we only have uh, five minutes left in the show to oh, go through right. and continue with this. So okay. uh, AP, Reuters, Bloomberg, uh, CBS, ABC. Um, uh, so the three networks are in there, the three mainstreamers, NB, NPR, BBC, and so on. Uh, I, I, it's interesting, the Guardian is, and the Washington Post are, are still marginal in those. Mm-hmm. There's a goes, which, So would, would you agree with this? I mean, we're, we're not really okay. consumers of everything that's okay. on the fringe here. But.
1: I love that you asked me that question on agreeing because I was reading her blog. And if you want to read the logic behind her her thinking, go to all generalizations are false. All one word. Mm-hmm. All generalizations are false. Dot com. That's uh, Vanessa Otero's blog, and she explains in depth the methodology she's using to categorize these media sources, so that you can say, "Hmm, I'm not so sure I concur with her, her valuation, or I get the logic totally behind it, and I trust her thinking and her evaluation." And she, she. Um, talks about three things you know what, three things we really want to be aware of the difference between fact interpretation or analysis and opinion and opinion
0: or assertion right right
1: so now yes.
0: Terrell's background she comes from she's an attorney she's a patent attorney so mm-hmm. she's kind of an outsider when it comes to this media analysis but she is a nitpicker mm-hmm. she looks into the the devils and the details here and that being the case, as I go through and kind of vet this out, I think I think she's uh, I think she's on. And I appreciate the fact that she's still evolving this.
1: Yes. When it yes, first came constantly, out, constantly, there was
0: lots of criticism that came up against it, and there's lots of parody as well in terms of you know who's doing what and where does it fall within the scale. Um, but I think it's a great scale to go through and take a look at. It. So mm-hmm. um, maybe I'll, I'll post uh, the blog up on our on the Talking Point Facebook page. And this just in. Um, <laughs> I know I'm telling you this. If you if you're trying to watch us on Facebook, you can't because our feed didn't work. But you can click on the YouTube feed and watch it there, for what it's worth. That way, it's what what's like just in our show?
1: Oh, okay. Our live feed. I, I thought you were, were going to tell me you got a Reuters. Uh, I did. I
0: have a couple of uh, AP because I'm a news, the news. I'm a political man. hobbyist yes. there in that respect. I'm um, a uh, Mitt Romney plans to announce his Utah Senate campaign.
1: You know, I was speaking of senators. You know, they—they they were going to this week. They were going to solve the immigration problem in the Senate by a big. Oh, we were going to talk about the debate. Uh, debate. Yeah. Right. Did you watch any of well, that? Well, what, what—what the impression I've gotten so far is that they're having a hard time getting started because Mitch McConnell wanted to include uh, some agreement in there. <laughs> of course, he right? did. Right. <laughs> To start the debate? And was it related to what was the agreement you wanted to include in there? Some provision. And the, the Democrats were not having it. So um, they didn't get off to a great start. And then I do think Jeff Flake was saying from Arizona, and I want, what I wanted to mention was this coalition called the Common Sense Coalition. I wonder if that's harkening back to Thomas Paine's Common Sense. I hope anyway, not. there's a bunch of women lawmakers, senators, and a few men in there that are meeting together and they're the cool heads, the the middle of the rotors, the consensus makers. Okay. So it's called the consensus coalition. Okay. And Jeff Flake was saying, you know what, We're, if we don't get it, we don't get a robust debate this week and we take a break, we should come back to it. We shouldn't just say, no. you know, we were just gonna do it for a few days and then... On one hand, I'm yeah. encouraged
0: by the idea that there is some robust debate happening at this level with mm-hmm. such an issue.
1: There's a lot why behind Why haven't we seas. been doing this, mm-hmm. um,
0: you know, within the last couple of years, as as Republicans systematically try to go through and disassemble the Affordable Care Act? Why, mm-hmm. why hasn't this dialogue been going on? You know, since that time.
1: The dialogue around immigration or the Affordable Care Act? I'm
0: sorry, uh, Affordable Care Act. They're talking about immigration. They are. Forgive me. I'm Okay. I'm off on tangent here as I go along. Same thing. Uh, no. We've been talking to immigration for a long time. My point yeah. is the the talk is coming after what they've tried to do in terms of policy, and it needs to be the other way around. Right. Uh, another big shakeup in terms of, I know i, I got to sign off here, in terms of uh, our GOP delegates uh, um, we lost uh, Stannard to a, a, a pretty, uh, John Stannard to a oh. pretty horrible, horrific oh, kind of thing. Like I want to talk that. about that next show. Okay. Uh, Travis Stegmiller, who's uh, been temporarily, he's the, the temporary guy until they uh, call for a vote on that one. So I'd like to talk about that next week if you care to come back and join us. You've been listening and watching here uh Talking Point Live. My name is Eric Young.
1: I'm Jennifer Kohler.
0: Yep, you are. <laughs> Thanks for watching, we'll see you, you got comments? Put them on Facebook and we'll be sure to respond. See you next week.